0: I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9-to-5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rolo. And this is Lead with Impact. Hey there and welcome to Lead with Impact. This is Brian Rollo, and I am excited to have you here with me today. We are going to be having a great conversation. We're going to be talking to Kit Peng. Now, Kit is a public speaking coach and he also runs a public speaking company called Boston Speaks. And he works with people from Fortune 500 CEOs and TEDx speakers to NFL players and executives at places like Dell, Delta, and many more. And today, he's going to be working with us. I'm going to be asking him about overcoming fear. I'm gonna be asking him about persuasion skills and influence skills, and how really to build your own brand through building your presentation skills. So I'm looking forward to the conversation. And let's jump right in without any further ado. Let's meet Kit Pang. Kit Pang, welcome to the Lead with Impact podcast. We are happy to have you here. Brian, thank you so much. Excited to be here. And I'm excited to talk to you as well. Big fan of what you do and how you do it. Now, let's jump right into it. And maybe you can tell us, how do you help people?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, there was a, a fun networking question I was at uh, once, and they asked us at that you know networking event. And so they asked people, what's the most silliest way you can describe what you do when you help people? And so my answer was, one, I help people not pee their pants when they speak in public. And two, I help them go from boring to engaging when they're speaking in public. So, And that's basically it, Brian.
0: That is a great description because we all know how terrifying public speaking can be to most people. I don't know if it's pee or pant scary for everybody, but for some, it probably is. So it sounds like you've had a pretty good service to offer there.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it comes to public speaking, actually, Brian, I want to turn it back to you. How do you feel about public speaking?
0: Well, I do a fair bit of it. So I feel pretty good about it myself, but it has been quite a journey and a lot of work. So I love it myself. I'm sort of built for it. But I see firsthand how scary it is to most people and how most people would rather be doing anything else than being on a stage or even being the one standing up in a meeting talking to everyone else.
1: Yeah. And when, you know, when it comes to leading with impact or becoming a better leader, public speaking is one of those skills that we have to be able to hone down so it can be an asset for us every single time we talk to our team, talk to our audience, instead of it being a liability.
0: Exactly. That's a unique way to put it. And I want to come back and really dig into that a little bit later. But I would like to ask you another question. I'd like to hear about your origin story. In other words, how did Kit Pang become the Kit Pang who helps people become phenomenal speakers?
1: I got it. And Brian, I think you probably have felt this because you speak so often too. But there was one time I used to be scared of public speaking. And of course, it's just not all about the fear of public speaking. But back in college, there was a uh, public speaking competition and I saw it on a poster, you know in college, there's so many posters. It says $3000 for the winner for this public speaking competition. And as a broke college kid, I'm like, yeah, I'm about to graduate. I need to <laughs> I don't I don't have a job yet. I need to do something with myself. And so I entered the public speaking competition and I practiced my butt off for the whole entire week from, you know, like in the morning till like two AM it was in the church. So I remember just being in the church, practicing my body language over and over. I was the only one in the church and I was just going word by word. And on the day of the competition, I've never felt it before, but the words were just coming up out of my mouth because I practiced it so much. I didn't have to think about the words. I can just focus on being present with the audience. And growing up as an Asian American, you know, my family, we don't say, I love you out loud. We don't hug a lot. So it was very different for me to be able to share my emotions and who I am on stage and still feel like I was being accepted. And on that day, I remember I felt it. So, Brian, you know, earlier when I when I was saying you probably felt it. But on that day of, I felt like I was in the zone and I had that public speaking moment that I wanted more and more of. And I think that day, it not only gave me confidence in my life, but I think it helped like uh, jumpstart and turbo start my 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 whole life as like a, a second new beginning again. So that's basically how I started with the love of public speaking. And ever ever since I caught the bug, I knew I just had to give other people that moment as well.
0: It is a phenomenal feeling. I've been in the situations you described and I've also been in situations where it doesn't work as well. And that's part of dealing, becoming a speaker too, I think is dealing with the highs and lows, but when it works, when you connect with people and when you can see their eyes light up, when you're talking, I think that is just about as rewarding a feeling as there is in business
1: yeah yeah well Brian, let me ask you a question. i know <laughs> I know you're gonna ask me some questions, but how do you know you know the last few times you gave a talk or maybe even on a podcast, how do you know if people are engaged or if you feel like you've made an impact? Did you have like a certain like a feeling for it i'm just I'm just interested
0: i do I think it comes down to being aware of people's reactions, you can see body language, you can see again their eyes lit up. I don't have a better way to define it other than that. But you can tell in every audience, there's always to me, I'd love to get your input, to me there's always going to be a percentage of people who are sort of with you and a percentage of people who just are not with you and then you're trying to win over those people in, in between. And I'm really looking to get engagement for eye contact for the nodding of heads for any just sort of sign of human interaction that they're with me. Yeah. And when I don't when I don't get that that is a warning that I need to adapt.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like because you get to because you know, you're speaking so often I think the difference between those people who don't have that feeling yet, you know, you know how sometimes when you're sitting in an audience and, and your yeah. butt is hurting? Well, you know everyone's butts are hurting because if your butt is hurting, everyone can probably feel the same thing. And as a speaker, speakers can actually feel that, that, that feeling as well. But I feel like the, the speakers who are not yet um, at a professional level or had that experience even though people's butts are hurting, they still keep on going on with what they have. Instead of addressing, hmm, there's a feeling that people might be shifting in their seats a lot or they're they're struggling to pay attention. But great public speakers, they know how to get that feeling and they know how to adjust to it. Um, There was, um, I did an interview, uh, I think uh, two months ago, it was with a, a speaker manager who manages professional speakers now again you don't have to be a professional speaker it's it's you can be a leader at an organization but the interesting question i asked her was how what's the difference between professional speakers and you know the average speakers and she said kit Professional speakers, she can bet on them every single time that they will nail it, 100% that they will nail it because they're polished, they practice, and they treat public speaking as their art form. They're so good, we can just bet money on them that every single time they go on stage,
0: everyone's going to love it. That's a great way to put it. Part of that, I think, is confidence, which you build from getting reps, and part of that is confidence from knowing you've been in a situation before and start to get the feeling that there's only a certain number of negative things that can happen when you're speaking. And once you've been through them and know how to survive them, you sort of get the feeling that pretty much no matter what happens, I'm going to be able to navigate my way out of this. At least that's sort of the way I approach it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. as. As, as a speaker, I think there are moments as you get used to it more. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. You know, when people first learn how to ride a bicycle, they get so nervous because they get stuck in their mind. It's like, oh, what if I fall? I can't do this. I, I can't go down the road. Uh, maybe there's this, it's like driving a car, too. When you're first learning how to drive a car or ride a bicycle, there's so many things to focus on. you got to focus looking looking, looking back, looking to the left, driving at the same time. But as you get used to driving, then you start noticing, oh, you can do so much more just like speaking. You're used to the stage. You're used to the audience. So, therefore, you can be more present and pay attention to the things that's going on and adapt in the moment. Uh, and you know, back to what you're saying, it's knowing how to t- just adapt to the moment as well.
0: I'm so happy you brought that up, because I'm curious and to get your feedback on this. I've done a little bit, and I don't make my business as you do, but people do come to me occasionally and ask for help with putting presentations together. And I find sometimes if there's a Sequential list of say 10 or 15 things that a speaker needs to be worried about, they're thinking about point 13 instead of point one or two. So, do you, when you work with people, do you work with them from the very, in a very linear way? I guess, here's the first thing to work on, don't worry about point 14 for now, work on this and then we'll start to build, or you sort of think it's better for people to be aware of all those things that are happening and try to work on all of them at once?
1: Well, let me say most of my main target audience are rising leaders or executives uh, in an organization. And when I work with top A people, you know what their downfall is? Their downfall is perfection. Mm. And it's well that's how it got them to where they are now because they want to, you know, they, they nitpick everything. They're so good at everything. And so when it goes down to, hmm, should I worry about point 13 and how can I address this, you know, point one or two first, I want to give an example. I had a, I had a client who, you know, because we're all stuck at home with coronavirus, he wanted to make a 10-minute video to put online and, and, and this is the first time he's done it because he, he used to be in-person everything. And he wanted to create this 10-minute video. He wanted to have, you know, the best background, the perfect 10 minutes. Should he, you know, where should he make this 10-minute video? How is the production going to look like? How is the lighting going to look like? And I asked him, when you post this video, 10 minutes on social media, how many people do you think will actually watch it? And he says, oh, yeah, a lot of people are just going to go to it and watch it. But we all know for a fact, sometimes when we're in it and we're creating, uh, creating it ourselves, we think it's the most important thing. But from the outside view, you know, just like scrolling on, on, on Facebook or LinkedIn, there's so many messages that we don't even remember them. We don't care about them. And so it just goes through our minds. So same thing as in creating point 13 or creating point two, we have to realize, hmm, what's the most helpful for the audience and do I even need to include it? Well, first of all, would they even remember it uh, with all these points, right? So when we create presentations, we want to think of not what's important only to us, but what's the most helpful to your audience. Uh, is is 20 points more helpful or three points more helpful, uh, depending on how you go with it. And again, we care so much about just like the, my client, we care so much about our background, our lighting, our 10-minute of perfection. Your audience will never even probably ask those questions at all. It's not as important to them. And so that's where we have to start off with. What, going back to what does your audience care about?
0: Right, right. Now, yeah. you said you work with leaders in organizations. If I'm a leader... And I'm with you, by the way, but let me let me <laughs> let me present the other side of this. Uh-huh. I'm a leader and I say, Kit, I, I understand you help people with speaking skills, but I'm not a public speaker. I run a company. Uh, I don't really need to be a great speaker. Why is it important for me to develop my speaking skills if I'm that guy or that that lady?
1: <sighs> Again, also think about it for your audience as well as a leader. You are someone that people look up to when even, even I'm going to use the coronavirus and everyone's staying at home right now. Virtual communication is one of the things that people have to work on because virtual communication sooner or later is going to come about. So as a leader, you are setting the example of what people can can do in the future when things are not even possible you can inspire people to look up to you and say wow look at those speaking skills i wish one day i was just like that now as a as a leader in an organization speaking uh, we, we all know that ceo actually means chief explaining officer and mm-hmm. if you are a leader in an organization what is the number one thing you must do you must over communicate over and over and over again. So as a leader, if you are not communicating, speaking, building that human-to-human relationship, you will not be seen as a leader who can gain trust or, or build more relationships because, again, leaders is all about human uh, working with other human potential. And one of the best way to do that is to be able to speak to them, not just give them tasks to do, but it's to speak to them, is to listen to them, and over-communicate your message. One-on-one, group, public speaking, you got to be a master of that as a leader.
0: And if you think about it, any leader's ideas are only as valuable as their ability to communicate those ideas. So That's- you could have the greatest strategy in the world, but if you cannot present that in a way that people easily understand it and are influenced by it, the idea almost becomes worthless.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there was a study that was done by by uh, it's not done by McDonald's, but they use McDonald's as an example. And so they started with what's the difference between the bottom workers and the, the workers up top. So let's say the the people who are flipping burgers. There's there's nothing wrong with you know flipping burgers and everything, but these people are more task oriented. They they come in every single day, you know. They do the same thing over and over again. So let's say you increase your rank. Now you're managing a bunch of the workers so that it's not task-oriented problems anymore. It's people problems. And as your rank rises, you're managing people that are managing other people. And so what's that skill you have to get better at? It is communication because you're getting less task-oriented work but more people-oriented work. And so it's just knowing how to communicate more effectively.
0: And the other point I would throw in there from my experience in working with companies on the consulting side is the responsibility for being able to speak powerfully, clearly and influentially does not stop with the CEO. Because what I've seen sometimes is the CEO, executive leader, executive director, whoever it is, may have an idea. And then they speak to the people that report to them and task them with bringing this idea to their people. And if, if there's problems on that level, again, the ideas don't move forward. So really, it's really important to start at the top, but it even goes beyond that, in my experience.
1: Yeah. Well, Brian, do you see, I know there's a lot of challenges that leaders are dealing with, but Do you see any trends with the communication challenges that they are dealing with? Communication, public speaking. uh, Certainly. Yeah.
0: In our current situation right now, I I put. I don't want to go too much into my business because this is your moment. But I, I do. I put together some resources on leading your teams virtually, and a lot of questions about how to do that. Not so much what tech do I use to do it? But how do I become a leader who can influence people that aren't in the same room with me anymore? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's pretty much kit the same principles. We're just delivering them in a different way. But yes, there's a lot of questions about how often do I communicate? What should I say? Why am I not getting engagement from people? Those are the types of questions that I'm getting a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, at virtual communication is actually you know kind of like in person, but it's just done virtually. Of course, there's similarities and differences. But Brian, you bring, uh, you, you brought something to my mind, and that and that question is, what's the difference between persuasion and influence when it comes to leading virtually or leading in person? Actually, Brian, what would you say? What's the difference between persuasion and influence? Do you think? Hmm. And I know I'm turning the tables.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You are turning the tables. That's a good question. I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way. Mm -hmm. To me, I think persuasion, and this is just off the top of my head, so feel free to correct me. Mm -hmm. Persuasion feels more like an active pursuit where I'm trying to persuade someone to do something. Mm -hmm. Influence to me seems a little bit more like I don't have to actually try as much but people are just observing me and they're being influenced by the way I talk to them and my by my behavior so that's sort of the way I guess I would think about it
1: oh, no 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 Brian exactly I think that's one of the one of the best answers I've heard from most of the people that I asked to what's <laughs> of, of, of explaining that so the way that I explain it and it will make sense to yours I use a few different examples so let's say a family member came to you and said Brian I have the newest iPhone, iPhone 20X. I don't need my iPhone 10 anymore. Let's say you, you, let's say you want it. You know, you'll probably say, yeah, why not? Because they have the iPhone 20. They, they, they just don't need iPhone 10 anymore. But let's say a stranger comes up to you, Brian, and they say, hey, Brian, I have the new iPhone 20. Do you want my iPhone 10? Now you're going to be a little bit um, skeptical. Okay. So... Persuasion is what you can do in the moment to try to convince someone to accept your beliefs or ideas or to move their beliefs and ideas and their feelings over. Okay. Influence is basically what you were saying is is how you are acting is what your values are. So that's why sometimes when you buy things, and you don't, have, you don't have a buyer's remorse is because they have influence over you. You'll be happy to buy from them again because of their values, of who they are as a person or company. Or well, the other way I explain this is persuasion. When you're playing a piano, that's actually persuasion. The 10 years that you took to learn how to play the piano, that's influence. So when it comes down to being a great speaker of influence, it really goes back to who are you as a person as a leader uh, what what are your values are you taking action based off of what you're saying even though you're leading teams virtually or in person that influence you have over them is like wow my leader is like that because they are consistent they they do what they do what they're saying they care about me uh, again, persuasion sometimes it has a bad rep you know of those salespeople and and, and and it's salesy because of the things that they are doing in the moment, but you know, taking that aside from your head, persuasion again is being able to adapt in the moment of things while influence is more long term kind of you know basically what you were saying if this all makes sense
0: it makes perfect sense i've never thought of it that way, so what i 'm hearing. Is influence is the work that you put in to be persuasive. Would that be a good way of phrasing it?
1: Uh, Yes. Or you can think about it this way. Let's say you're posting on social media. Okay. Let's say you have a really good post. You can say that's really good persuasion. But why would people keep on coming back and reading your stuff long term? That's influence.
0: So let me ask you then. Is it more important for a leader to be... Influential or persuasive?
1: You have to be able to build those two skills. Again, influence is long-term effect. Uh, You can also think about it like fitness. Someone who is more successful in fitness... Is someone who will stick long-term with it because they maybe have a good schedule. They are, they are trained to, do, to exercise every single hour, every single, hour, you know, 12 p.m. But when they are doing the fitness itself inside, maybe it's raining one day and, and they have to know how to adapt to the rain. And if they're doing it outside, well, that's persuasion. So you got to be able to do both at the same time.
0: Mm. And that's a segue, but I understand that you are a uh, CrossFit uh, crossfit person is that right so are you adapting yourself like that my wife got
1: me into to crossfit and my wife is actually the one that's teaching me what it means to be great there was one day when I started crossfit with her she says kid do you know how to push yourself and in fitness I have to be honest I never really pushed myself that much because I always depended on other people to say hey go 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 But my wife is someone who's able to, and and still in the last two reps or when it's time gets hard, she she pushes herself even harder. And one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is when it comes to becoming a better leader or the craft of public speaking. When times get hard, especially nowadays, or when, when, when we have to learn about our audience, become better speakers, we do have to be the example. And we are the ones who are able to push ourselves even harder when other people are just giving up or it's too hard for them. Um, but yes, going back to CrossFit. Now I do CrossFit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I'm, I'm glad I asked you that question to hear that application. That's sort of what, what I was hoping to hear. Now back to the strategical aspect. How can a leader become then more persuasive and more influential?
1: This is something that actually is the very is the is the easiest part. I want to talk about the persuasion part really quickly. This is just like fitness. If you want to, you know, get a, a six pack, you just got to keep on doing ab crunches, okay? If you want to get better at playing the piano, You just have to practice certain chords. If you wanna practice playing, uh, being more persuasive, there is something that is called charismatic leadership tactics. This is something that I did not make up. It's research that's been done. So for example, they split up uh, 50 managers and don't quote me on the numbers, but half of the managers did these things and half of the managers did not do these things over a span of six months. The people who did these things, they were rated around like 65% more influential. Same exact things they did during a speech. Group A, do these things. Group B, do not do these things. Group A, more influential, more charismatic, more persuasive. And what are these things that I'm talking about? You can look it up. It's called charismatic leadership tactics. They basically, um, for example, uh, tell more similes, metaphors, tell more stories, inspire confidence in others. Use contrast, okay? Align, align your message with the values of what, what, what your audience believes in. The people who were, these are just some examples, but the, but the leaders and individuals who were using more of these language patterns, they were just more influential than the people who were not. And, that, and it's that easy.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you. Charismatic leadership tactics. Yeah. It's interesting. Thank you for sharing so a couple other quick questions. Uh, did you have any mentors that you can uh, or can think of or would like to mention that sort of helped you to get to this point?
1: I would say the the mentors that really helped me, I unfortunately, when I first started with public speaking, unlike the real estate industry, well, I've never been a realtor, but there's what I've heard that. Sometimes when you're in a real, tour, you're becoming a realtor, that there are other mentor, other realtor mentors that would mentor you because they've been through it. Now they just want to help you go through it. Unfortunately, in my profession as a public speaking coach, we are working individually, and I don't think any public speaking coaches ever came to me and say, "Kid, I want to help you out." Same thing with all the other coaches, unless you're in some kind of organization. But the, the mentors that I have were just people that were building great businesses around me, small businesses, and I had to go and ask them, how are they building their business? Um, I don't think it's people that uh, a lot of people would know. One, is his name is uh, Ian So. He, he has a food truck, uh, chicken and rice. It's, uh, he has like seven food trucks and a bunch of restaurants now. But he's someone that just taught me the business side of things. For the speaking side of things, I would say one of the best ways is to, uh, yes, it's good to look for a mentor, but one of the best things, even now virtually, record all your virtual meetings and review it when you're washing the dishes. You'll learn a lot about the things that you have to work on. Perfect.
0: How can people find you online, Kit? If we have a listener or maybe many listeners who are thinking, I have to find out more about Kit and how... He helps people. How can they do that?
1: Okay. Yeah, Brian, thank you for asking. You can go to bostonspeaks.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Kit Peng. Just find me on LinkedIn. Uh, but bostonspeaks.com is the, the easiest way.
0: I also had a chance to go in and I really enjoyed watching your TEDx talk. on listening. Oh, thank you. I want to ask you, how does someone who specializes in speaking end up giving a TEDx on listening? <laughs> it seems like those sort of different things here, but maybe you can tie them together.
1: Yeah, oh, no, that's the perfect perfect tie and perfect segue to also end. The question is, you know, chicken or egg, which comes first when you're crafting a presentation? Should you think about your ideas or should you think about your audience? OK, well, and, and speech writers will probably agree with me. You need to think about your audience first before you start brainstorming all your ideas on paper. The reason is, is if you don't know what your audience thinks about, if you don't know what their problems are, if you don't know what they care about, you might have the best ideas in the world, but it will not resonate with them. And so listening... It's, uh, you know unfortunately in our society it's not very sexy you know there's no TV show to win a million dollars you know, there's no keynote listener there's no such thing as a keynote listener but listening usually always comes first in the conversation, in the group meeting in public speaking but usually in our society people start with talk, 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 talk. but they should listen, listen, listen
0: mm, I love that couple more short questions before we yeah. let you go. If you could put a one sentence message on a billboard to the world, what would it be?
1: <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> this is not related to public speaking, but I would say happy wife, happy life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good advice. <laughs> well, hey, that may be related to public speaking or yeah. at least speak, speaking in general uh no, no okay okay going back going back to
1: that message happy wife happy life you know it's it's caring about others because when you're speaking uh we've all heard of this you know what's the most important sound to people first is their name what's the second most important thing for them what's in it for them right mm-hmm. so as a speaker this is uh, a lot of people ask me this uh how do you go from good to great as a speaker If you are a good speaker, here's what people will say to you, okay? People will say, wow, Brian, that story was so good. Oh man, you seem so confident. Oh, you have such great presence on stage, okay? Good speaker, they'll tell you that. But a great speaker, Brian, they'll go up and tell you, Brian, your story made me think about my life completely differently. Or that moment when you walked on stage, I realized It gave me more confidence to have more presence in what I do as well. You see the difference there, right? Good speakers, yeah, you're so good. Great speakers, you're changing the lives of individuals because of what you're doing. And so if you are meant to be, if you want to be a better speaker, uh, always think about what's in it for your audience. You can put that message on the billboard, what's in it for your audience.
0: Second to last question. This is a curveball for you. Are you ready? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On your website, you had a lightning round with Kit and there were some great questions on there. One of them was if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? I'm not gonna answer that because you ask you that because you answered it on your website. I thought I'd ask you if animals could talk, which one would be the most influential?
1: <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I'd to switch that on the website. <laughs> If, if animals can talk, which one would be the most uh, influential? Yes. I, oh man, this is good. Well, I I'm gonna say I'm gonna say cats. The, yeah, why? The,
0: why is that? The,
1: the reason the reason being is cats know how to uh, sneak. They know how to sneak up on you. You know, sometimes it's when, when, when they want to snuggle, and they want to cuddle. They'll go up to you and cuddle and be nice. But they, when they don't want to, they know how to be firm and say, hey, leave me alone. Right? As a, as a good speaker, you, you need to know how to be assertive and firm. But at the same time, you need to know how to adjust to your audience needs. So, so cats, they do, they do a good job with that. So if you, have, if you see any cat owners, uh, of course, they'll give you different messages. But when cats want to just be near you, Everyone will be like, oh, my cat wants to be near me. I got to go cuddle with them. You know, same thing with dogs, of course. Um, but that when cats don't want to be near you, they'll say, they'll say to you, get away from me. And, and, you're, and you're respecting your cat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. And if anybody wants to see the question, answer to the question, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest, they can go to bostonspeaks.com and click about, right? They can find out the answer to that question. That's great. Last, last question. What does the future hold for you?
1: The the future is right now it's it's helping leaders become better virtual speakers. When it comes to virtual communication, it is something that is going to happen in two thousand and twenty one and beyond. Everything's gonna move virtually. So as leaders, are you going to be ahead of the curve and show the rest of your team how to really communicate online? Because there's a whole nother sense of virtually communicating that people did not even tap into yet and we're just on the brink of that so that's a future of discovering how to master the virtual communication side
0: thank you so much for taking the time to be with us kit we will throw out on the show notes a link to your website your linkedin profile and also your tedx if people would like to see that and i appreciate you taking the time to be uh, with me and for this great conversation
1: Yeah, Brian, thank you so much. And for everyone that's listening, thank you.